Welcome to Beyond Our Focus. I'm Stefan, this is Amanda, and this is Let's Palava, about Wizard and Glass, the fourth novel in the Stephen King saga of the Dark Tower. Oh, a little disappointing. It would be nice for one of these episodes to come out on 919. yeah. So it's a little disappointing. We were supposed to film on 919, and it didn't work! Yeah, well, life happens. It does. Life happens. Nice. But we did have a nice drawing challenge that was tower themed. Yes. So both of us oh, took maybe. advantage of that nice. and drew dark tower related stuff, which was great. Yes. Very nifty indeed. I did enjoy that. We are in the third part on the sixth chapter called Closing the Year. Which is a lot of beginning dis- like literally the first three pages are just describing the reaping pretty much being here now and everybody's prepared for it getting ready for it putting their last things up yeah i think uh the only part of the first little bit that had i think almost any attention to reading at least the first bit was just the very first mm-hmm. paragraph which is so now comes to magus fendi anno fendi anno and you know uh, known in towards the center of Midworld as closing the gear. It comes as it has a thousand times before, or ten thousand, or a hundred thousand. No one can tell for sure. The world has moved on, and time has grown strange. In Magus, there's a saying, their saying is, time is a face on the water. Which is actually one of a, a lot of people's favorite quote from this book. At least it's one of the ones that comes up a lot. Because I was looking for quotes the other day. I was going to put one on my drawing. And this one kept coming up time and time and time again. And I'm like, this is not what I was looking for. I really wanted one from like the earlier books where like Eddie says something to Roland along the lines of, what, 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 what are you willing to give up for your precious tower? Or something like that. But Everything. Yeah, but I couldn't find anything. And I was like, this is disappointing, so I'm going to have to go read it, and I didn't have time. Never got time for that. No. Really have time for this. A little bit. So, yes, we get a lot of description of people harvesting stuffs. Um, everybody's got their scarecrows or their stuffy guys or however you want to call them. All I imagine is, like, big cornstalk dolls, like Blair Witch stuff, except that the... I just or no, children, children of the Corn. There we go. Children of the Corn, except, like, in greater scale. But yes, it, it is just a scarecrow. The one, just them calling them stuffy guys and the fact that they just roam on fires. No, who throws their scarecrow on a fire? Hey, we Tell me. Human sacrifice. It's always important. Um, we get a nice, lovely page of finding out that apparently people practice abstinence this day, this time. I Because everybody's waiting to do it on reaping night. I, apparently. Apparently that is a huge thing. Do it on reaping night, get pregnant, and have, what do they say, summer or fall babies or whatever? Fall baby, Full earth babies. Full, whatever full earth is. Whatever that technical... <laughs> season is and they even call it a crop there will be the usual crop of full earth babies yeah because everyone gets it on during this time and a bunch of pregnant people here's the weirdest part that i was just like excuse me what did they just say it says reap charms hang everywhere and although women often kiss and are kissed in the streets and in both marketplaces often by men they don't know everyone's asking for kisses i Okay. I mean, we even get that with Shimi a little later. Yeah, I guess so. But it's it's just... that time. For whatever reason, you go around just kissing people. I, I... <laughs> it's like Pebble and the Penguin. Okay, you find the perfect kiss, and then later on, you guys mate. <laughs> well, this is more you kiss everyone around until you decide who you're getting on with Reaping Night, and then you have a baby. But yes, and then we find out, of course, that they do burn the stuffy guys. It says. In the fields, corn shocks flare like torches, and often stuffies burn with them, their red hands and white cross eyes rippling in the heat. Men stand around these fires, not speaking, their faces solemn. 
No one will say what terrible old ways and unspeakable old gods are being proprieted. Proprietated? Mm, propitiated is what it looks like. Yeah. By the burning of the stuffy guys. But they all know well enough. From time to time, one of these men will whisper two words under his breath. Chariotry. Chariotry. How do you pronounce it? How are we pronouncing this? Chariotry. Because I say chariotry, but... My brain was reading Um, and my brain didn't say anything. I'm pretty sure it's char. Char. As in like Charlie. Yes. Chariotry. Yes, later on it gets brought up like that. Yeah, that's why I'm like, that's why I think it's Charlie, but... They are closing, closing, closing the year. Charlie. And then we get back to the kisses and people, I don't know, strutting around. This is not year's end when the winter logs will burn and mages will be barn and mages will be barn dances from one end to the other. And yet it is. This is the real year's end. Char you tree. And everyone from Stanley Roots standing in the bar beneath the rump to the furthest of Fran Linney's whatever that is. The Karis? Sure. Out on the edge of the bed, Grass knows it. There is a kind of echo in the bright air, a yearning for other places of the blood, a loneliness in the heart that sings like the wind. Char-you-tree. 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 One, we're not there. Two, my brain skipped over everything, so it just said a yearning for blood instead of a yearning for places in the blood. Like, I don't know how I skipped the three words in between, but it's fine. Yearning for blood. Char you tree. <laughs> we'll get there. But yes. We'll definitely get there. Folks who never had a nightmare in their lives will wake awake screaming with them during the week of fin de año. Men will, who consider themselves peaceful will find themselves not only in fist fights, but instigating them. Discontented boys who would only have dreamed of running away in other years this year will actually do it. And most will not come back after the first night spent sleeping raw. There is a sense, inarticulate but very much there, that things have gone amiss this season. It is the closing of the year. It is also the closing of the peace. For it is here, in the sleepy outworld barony of mages, that Midworld's last great conflict will shortly begin. It is from here that the blood will begin to flow. In two years, no more, the world as it has been will be swept away. It starts here. From its field of roses, the dark tower cries out in its beast's voice. Time is space on the water. If only we got, I can't, why rolling? Per- wants the tower? So yeah. desperately wants to pursue the tower. I don't know. Maybe you know, pretty, unless we forgot, I don't think they ever exactly go into it. It may be, unless it's in the last book. The last book is the only book that I've only read once. Of the last two, I've only read once. As long as Susanna and, um, yeah, The Dark Tower, I guess. I guess I can't say that because the second time around I skipped Wolves of Kala. <laughs> You're like, you don't need to read that one, it's fine. Because it really is not that important. There's a few details if you're like, give me the, give me the cliff notes, catch those, and you're good. Yeah, and then when it came down to actually reading the next one, I was like, I don't remember that. And you're like, yeah, that, that, yeah. Like I said, there's some cliff notes in there, yes. But out of that, like, 600, 700 page book, there's like 50 pages that are, like, worth it. Which we'll be getting to next. Ah. Oh, wait. No, we won't. No, no, no. No, no. We won't. no, we will not. Yeah, that's right. We got a little break in between there. Um, so now we have Coral Thorin. Was coming down the high street from Bayou Hotel when she spied Shimi, leading Capricoso and heading in the opposite direction. The boy was singing Careless Love in a voice both high and sweet. His, pro- his progress was slow. The barrels slung over Cappy's back were half again as large as the ones he had carried up the coos not long before. Hell, Cora held the boy 
of all work cheerily enough. She had reason to be cheery. Eldred Jones had no use for Findiana. What is that? Findiana. It was the second time we've gotten that word. That's like a the phrase third time. or sentence or whatever. Yeah. Abstinence. <laughs> and for a man with a bad leg, he could be inventive. Jesus. Sheemy, she called. Where go ye? Seafront? Aye, Sheemy said. I've got gaff for them asked for. Yep. All parties come reaping fair. Aye, tons of them. Dance a lot. Get hot a lot. Drink gaff to cool off a lot. How pretty you look, Scythorn. Cheeks all pinky pink, so they are. I love Shimi. <gasps> oh, Ola. La? Ola? Ola. Ola. How Ola. kind of you to say, Shimi. She favored him with a dazzling smile. Go on. Now, you flattered. Don't, uh, you flatter. Flatterer. Flatter. Woo! Buddy! Flatterer. Flatterer. Yep. Huh? Don't linger. <laughs> no, we know. Off I go. Cora stood watching him as he smiled uh, and smiled. Dance a lot, get hotty, hot a lot, Shimi had said about the dancing. About the dancing. Coral didn't know, but she was sure this year's reaping would be hot, all right. Very hot indeed. Char you tree. So, fin de año is literally just end of the year. Okay! Because you knew you couldn't just say end of the year. Because that would have been too hard. Well, they use a lot of Spanish words in here that... Elder Jones had no use for end of the year abstinence. Yeah, makes sense. That works well. Could have just said that. (laughs) Miguel met Shimi at seafront archway, gave him a look of lofty contempt he reserved for the lower orders, and then pulled the cork from the first of the barrels, and then the other. With the first, he only sniffed from the bang, bung, bung. At the second, he stuck his thumb in and then sucked it thoughtfully with his wrinkled cheeks hollowed inward and his toothless old mouth working. He looked like an ancient bearded baby. Sure. So this is where Shimi is currently. Yes. Which is important. Oh, see what I had next? I don't know. Oh, so pretty much... After he speaks to Miguel, he goes around to the side where he has to dump out the graph into the, I don't know, I guess they're just storage bins? Like, I don't really know what you would call them. He emptied in a fresh gaff, careful not to spill. When he was finished, the tank was pretty well topped up. So the tank. Uh, That was good. For on reaping night, apple beer would flow out of the kitchen tap like water. He slipped the empty barrels back in the carrier, looked into the kitchen once more to be sure he wasn't being observed. He wasn't. Coral's simple-minded tavern boy was the last thing on anyone's mind that morning. And then led Cappy, not back the way he'd come, but along the path that led to the seafront storage sheds. There were three of them in a row. Each with its own red-handed stuffy guy sitting in front. The guys appeared to be watching Shimi, and that gave him the shivers. Uh, Then he remembered his trip to the crazy old Lady Rio's house. She had been scary. This were just old duds stuffed full of straw. Susan? He called low. Are ye here? The door of the center shed was ajar. Now it trundled open a little. Come in, she called. Also low, bring the mule. Hurry. He led Cappy into the shed, which smelled of straw and beans and tack. And something else. Something sharper. Fireworks, he thought. Shooting power, powder, too. And, yep, that's why we're here. This is the answer to last week's question. Well, what, 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 what do you want Shimi for? What can Shimi do for you? What it, Pretty much the questions were, how can Shimi be a part of this and what do you need his help for? And two, what is Susan's part to play? Because they said, "I, how are you going to light that? And he's like, that's why I need you and Shimi. And it's like, well, what are you doing today? Can I tell you? And now it seems, huh, no one's going to suspect Shimi for anything. No. No one's, no one's going to pay any mind to him. And they even caught him in the shed with the fireworks. 
he could make up an excuse, and they would be like, okay, and move on. Be like, I saw the door open, and I was curious. Like, I saw the door open, and it looked fun. Like, it could be anything. It could be anything. No one's going to suspect Shimi. And the gaff barrels are a freaking great idea to move those fireworks. Yes. So... They pretty much... Well, first they had to dry out the barrels because obviously they were just transporting liquid. And water, liquids, and fire powder... Well, they said they were wrapped well, but Susan wanted to be sure. Yes. Um, So they put the bigger fireworks in one barrel and then the smaller fireworks in another barrel. Be perfect. They're wrapped, but at least be safe. Yeah, I mean, this would be... It'd be, be worrisome. <laughs> um, and of course, she's paranoid the whole time. She's yeah. just watching the door. And Very says, worrisome. Um, Thank the gods that part's over, she said. Now you know where you're to take them. I, Susan, daughter of Pat, to the bar cave. My friend Arthur Heath will put them safe. And if anyone asks you what you're doing out that way... Taking sweet graft to the in-world boys, because they've decided not to come to town for the fair. Why won't they, Susan? Don't they like fairs? You'll know soon enough. Don't mind it now, Shimi. Go on. Best be on your way. Yet he lingered. What? she asked, trying to be impatient. Shimi, what is it? I'd like to take a fin Anyo kiss from ye, so I would. Shimi's face had gone an alarming shade of red. Susan laughed in spite of herself, then stood on her toes and kissed the corner of his mouth. With that, Shimi floated out to the barquet with his load of fire. Still on those kisses. Uh, Gotta get those kisses. It's weird. It's all weird. Uh, yeah. A bit strange, but that's what it is. Reynolds rode out to the Sipco the following day, galloping with a scarf wrapped around his face, so only his eyes peered out. He'd be very glad to get out of this place that couldn't decide if it was a ranch, land, or seacoast. The temperature wasn't all that low, but after coming in over the water, the wind cut like a razor. Nor was that all. There was a brooding quality to Hambry and all of Magus. As the days wound down towards the reap, a haunted feeling he didn't care for a bit. Roy felt it too. Reynolds could see it in his eyes. No, he'd be glad to have those three baby knights so much in ash in the wind, and this place just a memory. Yep, he just came out to check on... The tankers, the pretty tankers. much. The tankers, said go and stuff, just check. Pretty much, Do you guys, do, are you guys all in place so that if these people show up, you're going to ambush them? And that's really all that part is. That's... It's drug out to no end, but and, that's all it is. And all you know is that as far as weapons go, it's pretty sad. Yeah, they're they pretty sad. They have, like, weapons. the most ancient-looking guns and stuff on them, so. I think some use some of those uh, sharpened plates. Hmm, not yet, not yet. Plus, we don't want to help the enemy here. <laughs> what side are you? Whose side are you on? I already know the results. <laughs> Uh, and now we are to Rhea. Uh, yeah, good old Rhea. Which, I don't even think this really says that much. Other than she's been sucked in by the glass. Yes, it says, She herself grew more and more gaunt, her eyes now looking like the sockets of the skulls stored in the net by the door to her bedroom. She dozed occasionally as she sat with the ball in her lap and the stinking snakeskin, which... I skipped that part, but yeah. she had sewn Ermont's head back onto the body and then is now just using it as a scarf. Yeah. She's throwing that out there. Yeah. She's also not feeding her cat. And she's also not mm. getting up to use the restroom yeah, anymore. She's urinating on herself, so that's all that's all lovely. Uh, yeah. I mean, but yeah. Yeah. She was just really enthralled seeing everything that was going on and she did it does kind of mention that because the glass only sees negative stuff that's going on, uh, it's now increasing how much she's seeing because this dark shadow is just befalling this town. So more and more bad things are happening, so the more she's just drawn into it. Yeah. And the thing's just feeding off her. Yeah, that's yeah. what it does. It really is. 
And we're back to Jonas. Oh, jeez. Yeah. Yeah, I'm a... I'm a... You can... If you want to read anything from this part, you go ahead. I'm not... Let's see if I even have anything worth anything. Uh, uh, no, no, it was just the okay. fact that so pretty it was much, back to Jonas. So, so pretty much uh, the overview of this one, because I'm not getting into it, is Jonas notices the two boys that had talked to oh, him. Oh, yeah, yeah, this is this. Yeah, had, They noticed the two boys that had talked to him earlier saying they were big coffin hunters like ages ago, and they'd been cutting dogs' tails off. Well, now they decided to blow up a dog by getting putting a firecracker pretty much inside a yeah. piece of meat and throwing it. So I'm, yeah, I'm yeah, good. That's the whole, that's, that's, that's everything it. here. Just these stupid I don't, kids being Yeah, kids. I don't need that in my life. I don't know why you did that, King. You're an asshole. But yeah, sorry. I'm just saying how bad these kids are. Well, this came from King's mind, okay? <laughs> I'm blaming him. A lot worse things have come from yes, King's mind. Yeah. <laughs> I know. This barely <laughs> touches the surface. I no, but puppy. Okay, All the evil stuff he's written in some of his books. Oh, trust me, I know. I've read a lot. So, back to Cuthbert and Elaine as a as their horse. Okay, the Cuthbert and horses sat, sat. Their horses at the what? A Vibolt. It's just a weird phrase. Anyway, Cuthbert and Elaine sat their horses at the mouth of Vibolt, even with the wind blowing. The Blowing the south, no, sound of the thinny, I can't read, uh, thinny away from them, it got inside your head and buzzed there, rattling your teeth. I hate it, Cuthbert said, clenching teeth. Gods, let this be quick. And they're here to do a job! Yay! So now we know at least the beginning part of what, what why Shimi was involved as far yes. as... Besides just picking up some fireworks. Fireworks brought it to them because this is after they've gotten the fireworks. They're using the, basically the gunpowder. Yeah. I wanted to call it something else, but I guess it's just gunpowder, basically. Um, it does, uh, apparently though, the Thinny can talk, at least the Thinny. Oh, well, we got it earlier. Yeah. From when they tried to drive, what was it, Alan? Yeah, Elaine, Elaine almost off just a cliff. Walked, yeah. Then we got that it was kind of speaking to him, and it's it doing says, that more now. Speaking words of invitation in a groaning, horribly persuasive voice. Come on, Bert, leave all this foolishness behind. The drums, the pride, the fear of death, the loneliness you laugh at because laughing's all you can think to do. And the girl, leave her too. You love her, don't you? And even if you don't, you want her. It's sad that she loves your friend instead of you, but if you come to me, all that will stop bothering you very soon. So come on, what are you waiting for? What am I waiting for, he muttered. Huh? I said, what are we waiting for? Let's get this done and get the holy hell out of here. From their saddlebags, they each took a small cotton bag. Uh, these contained gunpowder extracts from these smaller firecrackers. Shimmy had brought them two days before. Alan dropped to his knees, pulled his knife, and began to crawl backwards, digging a trench as far under the roll of brush as he could. Dig it deep, Cuthbert said. We don't want the wind to blow it away. God, that would suck. <laughs> and Lane gave him a look that was remarkably hot. Do you want to do it? Just so you can make sure it's done right? It's the kid, it's the thinny, Cuthbert thought. It's working on him too. No, Al, he said humbly. You're doing fine for someone who's both blind and soft in the head. Go on. He's like, I know it's the thinny. Calm down, and then you're like, I'm gonna just make fun of you. <laughs> just basically, basically. Uh, so they're doing a good job. The only other thought they have is only, if it, but what happens if it rains? Oh, God. No, it probably wouldn't blow away, but unless there was a full gale. But if it rained, even the rolls of brush wouldn't be much protection. If it rained, don't think of that, he told himself. That's Worrying. Just all the worrying. Everything depends on this. Um, and then, of course, uh, they're talking about the tankers. Like, how you can kind of see the tankers off in the distance. And they're like, pretty much, I really can't believe it, Elaine said as they started back. It would be a long ride, including a wide swing around Hanging Rock to make sure they weren't seen. They must think we're blind. 
It's stupid they think we are, Cuthbert said. But I suppose it comes to the same. Now that Eyebolt Canyon was falling behind them, he felt almost giddy with relief. Were they going in there a few days from now? Actually going in? Riding to within mere yards of where that cursed puddle started? He couldn't believe it, and he made himself stop thinking about it before he could start believing it. More riders heading out to Hanging Rock. Do you see them? Changing the guard, the important thing is that they don't see us. You don't think they can, do you? Over here? Not likely. Cuthbert didn't think so either. They'll all be down come reap, won't they? It won't do us much good to only catch a few. Yes, I'm pretty sure they all will. Jonas isn't Jonas and his pals? Them too. Um, ahead of them, the bad grass grew closer. The wind blew hard in their faces, making their eyes water, but Cuthbert didn't mind. The sound of the thinny was down to a faint drone behind him and would soon be completely gone. Right now, that was all he needed to make him happy. Do you think we'll get away with it, Bert? Dunno, Cuthbert said. Then he thought of the gunpowder trenches lying beneath the dirt rolls of bush and grinned. But I'll tell you one thing, Al. They'll know we were here. Oh, yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. Mm. So we kind of move back to Susan in a way. Um, I guess it really is Susan. She's talking about, pretty much talking about how they're preparing for Reap, how she has to still be fitted for some of her dresses, how she has an awkward dinner with the mayor and olive like sitting across from each other at his sides pretty much and it's just like i can't look at her i can't look at her and she bounces yes she bounces and heads back to her place going to the barn yes she it does mention that of course that she had gotten two horses that was payment for this whole thing is one horse and then her the second horse so we smell the shadows of the barn. Pylon and Fel- Felicia uh, nickered hollow, and she divided what she hadn't eaten between them. They seemed pleased enough to get it. She made especially, especially uh, Felicia, whom she would soon be leaving behind. She had avoided this little office since her father died, afraid of exactly the sort of pang that struck her when she left lifted the latch and went in. The narrow windows were now covered with cobwebs, but they still let in. Did I think I skipped two? Did I? Nope, I didn't. I saw it. Autumn bright light, more than enough for her to be able to see the pipe in the ashtray. <clears throat> the red one, his favorite. The one he called the thinking pipe. And a bit of tack laid over the back of his chair. He had probably been mending it by gaslight. Had put it by thinking to finish it the next day. Then the snake had done its dance under foams? Yeah, the name of the horse, foam. It's just foam, huh? That's What a name. Hooves. And there had never been a next day. Not for Pat Delgado. Foam. I forgot. No, I think it's a full, that's only a part of the name. I want to say earlier on, like when we first hear about Pat Delgado, like what happened to him, it actually has a full name. Foam. Foam. That's what it's gotta be. Oh, geez. So, yes. So, she spends her first couple minutes just reminiscing and just crying. Because she hasn't seen any of this stuff in ages. Um... She, for some... The, the one thing I am kind of confused about, it says, The only item of interest was in the bottom drawer. A pair of spurs. One still had star row. Okay, so... That's not what she was looking for. It was just something that, an item of interest. For some reason, when I read this the first time, I thought it was what she was, like, she said this was one of the things she was looking for, but. It says, one had its star rowel, but the other had been broken off. These were, she was almost positive, the spurs he had been wearing on the day he died. If my dad was here, she had begun that day on the drop, but he's not, Roland had said. He's dead. Because he likes to say that. Yeah. <laughs> He's very blind about that. Yeah. A pair of spurs. A broken off a roll. Well, I don't know. She's bounced them on her hand. In her mind's eyes, seeing ocean, ocean foam. foam. There we go. Ocean foam. God 
People give horses weird names. Ocean foam. Rear spilling her father. One spur catching on the strap. The royal breaking free and then stumbling sideways and falling on top of him. She saw this clearly, but she didn't see the snake friend Lenny had told him about. That she didn't see at all. But yeah, I mean, you, you like listen to like the horse races and anything. Yeah. The horses have the weirdest name. Most people don't name their dog Ocean Foam. Come here, little ocean foam. I've seen, or I've heard some pretty weird well, People do a bunch of weird yeah. stuff. But more often than not, I hear horses yeah. have the weirdest, strangest names. Well, people, people like to keep them kind of natural. Kind of just... Sunny side on the left. Comes up the rear. <laughs> 7-Eleven falls behind. Sunny side on the left. That was just weird. Weird. Sunny side on the left is followed by sunny side up. Oh, sunny side on the right. Yeah. Eggs in a basket is coming next. Swear names. But yeah, so she put the spurs back where she had found them, got up, and looked at the shelf to the right of the desk, handy to Pat Delgado's smart hand. Here was a line of leather-bound ledgers, a priceless trove of books, and a society that had forgotten how to make paper. Her father had been the man in charge of the barony's horse for almost 30 years, and here were his stock line books to prove it. Susan took down the last one and began to page through it. This time, she almost welcomed the pang that struck her as she saw her father's familiar hand, the labored script, the steep and somehow more confident numbers. Born of Henrietta, two fowls, both well. Stillborn of Delia, a roan, a roan, mutant. Okay. Rowan. Born of Yolanda, a thoroughbred, a good male colt. And following each the date, so neat he had been, so thorough, so... She stopped suddenly, aware that she had found what she was looking for, even without any clear knowledge of what she was doing in here. The last dozen pages of her da's final stock line book had been torn out. Who had done it? Not her father. A largely self-taught man, he... Re- he revered paper the way some people revered gods or gold. And why had it been done? That she thought she knew. Horses, of course. Oh, horses, of course. Horses, don't, don't, don't get the full saying horses, in there. Horses, of course. There were too many on the drop, and the ranchers, Lenny, Croydon, Renfrew, were lying about the threaded quality of the stock line. So was Henry Wartner, the man who had succeeded, succeeded to her father's job. If my da was here... But he's not. He's dead. She had told Roland she couldn't believe Fran Linney would lie about her father's death. But she could believe it now. God's help her. She could believe it now. What are you doing in here? She gave a little scream, dropped the book, and whirled around. Cordelia stood there in one of her rusty black dresses. God, I hate her so much. I hate so, her so much. uh, Cord's looking a little rough these days. <laughs> She's not still not handling the whole Coral and Jonas thing because that was her man. So uh, and it was never really her man, yeah. but she wanted it to be. Jonas literally was just nice to her because he could get information yes. out of her. That was it. Sorry, lady. You got to get over it. Aunt Cord, you startled me. You, what are you doing in here? Aunt Cord repeated. I came to remember my father, she said, and put the book back on the shelf. Who had torn these pages out? Lenny, Lenny Reimer? She doubted. Lenny Reimer? There we go. She doubted it. She thought it more likely that the woman standing before her right now had done it. Perhaps for as little as a single piece of red gold. Nothing asked, nothing told, so all is well. She would have thought, popping the coin into her money box, after first biting its edge to make sure it was true. Remember him? It's ask his forgiveness ye should do, for ye've forgotten his face, so ye have. Most grievous have ye forgotten it, Sue. Susan only looked at her. Have ye been with him today? Cordelia asked in a brittle, laughing voice. Susan realized, okay, she had been getting bad by degrees. Susan realized, but had become ever so much worse since the gossip about Jonas and Coral Thorn had started. Have ye been with Cy Dearborn? Is your crack still dewy from his spin? Here, let me see for myself. Are you freaking kidding me? This woman's crazy. She's crazy. 
Her aunt glided forward, spectral in her black dress, her bodice open, her slippered feet peeping, and Susan pushed her back. In her fright and disgust, she pushed hard. Cordelia struck the wall beside the cobweb window. Ye should ask forgiveness yourself, Susan said. To speak to his daughter so in this place, in this place. She let her eyes turn to the shelf of ledgers, then returned to her aunt. The look of frightened calculation she saw in Cordelia Delgado's face told her all she wanted or needed to know. She hadn't been a party to her brother's murder. That Susan could not believe. But she hadn't known she had known something of it. Yes, something. Ye faithless hag, Cordelia whispered. No, Susan said. I have been true. And so she realized she had been. I've slept my last night here, she said. I'll not listen to more such as this, nor look at ye as ye are now. It hurts my heart and steals the love I've kept for ye since I was little, when ye did the best ye could to be my ma. Cordelia clapped her hands over her face as if looking at Susan t as if looking at Susan hurt her. Get out then, she screamed. Go back to Seafront or wherever it is thee rolls with that boy. If I never see thy trollop's face again, I'll count my life good. Susan led Pylon from the stable. When she got him into the yard, she was sobbing. Uh, when she turned onto the high street and booted Pylon into a gallop, she didn't look back. So that was <sighs> the last. She has moved out. <laughs> I hate that woman so much. God, I hate her. Oh, you mean you don't like? You don't like her? Just let me check. <laughs> okay, Rhea, calm down. <laughs> Woman's just psycho. That she is. There's really only, it might be like one notable thing. Like, barely one notable thing <laughs> in this next thing. But a little interesting. We go back to Coral, who has woken up and has slipped into um, Mayor Thorne's bed. You mean Olive. Olive. I was uh, like, Olive. Coral. What are these people? <laughs> Olive Thorne has. Slipped out of her room and her bed and went to her oh husband's God. bed. Yes, wake, she thought. Do. She didn't dare wake him on wake him of her own. All her courage had been exhausted just getting here, creeping through the dark the dark following one of the worst dreams she had ever had in her life. But if he woke, she would take it as a sign and tell him she had she had dreamed of vast of a vast bird, a cruel golden-eyed rock that flew above the barony on wings that dripped blood. Whenever its shadow fell, there was blood. She would tell him, and its shadow fell everywhere. The barony ran with it, from Hambury all the way to Eyebolt, and I smelled big fire in the wind. I ran to tell you, and you were dead in the study, sitting by the heath. Hearth? Hearth? Hearth. Hearth, with your eyes gouged out and skull in your lap. A very interesting, interesting dream. dream. Yeah. Almost predictive. Premonition. I was going to say premonition-like. Yeah, premonition-like. There we go. Uh, that, that was really the only thing. It's like, huh, huh. Interesting dream of some things that might come to pass. And it's still kind of sad because this is Olive. This is the woman that... She she is watching her husband pretty much just be taken away by this younger girl. And so she creeps into his bed and kind of just holds him like they used, she used to do. And immediately after, like kind of dozes off and immediately after waking up has to sneak out again. And mm -hmm. it's just kind of sad. It is, it is. You have every reason to feel sad for all yeah. of but which is one of the things that we did kind of skip over. But back when Susan and Olive had that um, dinner together, Susan did mention looking over at Olive and thinking in her head that she wishes she could tell her that there would never be a night with her, between her and Thorin. Yeah. That that will never happen. She wished she could tell her that. That no, that was never going to happen between it them. Won't. But. Yeah. The midway booth opened in Green Heart two days before Reaping Fair, and the first folks came to try their luck at the spinning wheel and the bottle toss 
and the basket ring. There was only there was also a pony train. A cart filled with laughing children pulled along a figure eight of narrow gauge rails. Was that pony named Charlie? Eddie Dean asked Roland. I think not, Roland said. We have a rather unpleasant word that sounds word that sounds like that in the high speech. What word? Jake asked. The one said the gunslinger. That means death. Yes. Char. Char. So you wouldn't name anything Charlie because Char means death. And so this is the first time that besides our actual intermission, this is the first like interrupted text from the gang that's actually listening to Roland tell. This is letting you know that this is actually still Roland telling them this story that's happening. It's, it's amazing. I mean, it's amazing how he knew about Olive and her sneaking in. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't, I'll never understand the story, Roland, but it doesn't matter. But this was interrupting for the Charlie yes. and death. Yes. Uh. It says, and then of course we go to DePape, who's pretty much talking to Avery, Sheriff Avery. Asking them if everything is ready for tomorrow. Um, and then of course Avery offers DePape a deputy position. <laughs> I guess the last thing that's left is Susan and Rowan, unless there was something else. Mm. And we're back to Susan and Roland meeting. <laughs> yes, they've met in a hut in the bad grass. Please, baby girl. I'm sorry about dead, dead air, dead air. It'd be fine. Listen, Roland took her face in his hands and looked into her eyes. I'm only trying to be careful. If things go badly, and they could, you're the one most likely to get away clean. You and Shimi. If that happens, Susan, you, the, must come here and take my guns. Oh, that's right. Right in the beginning, like the first thing, uh, it says, Roland showed her what he left in the hut's north corner, secreted beneath a moldering pile of skins. And obviously from that sentence, we know he's left his guns there. I love, uh, you're the most likely to survive. Yeah. You and Shimi. Is that so? Is that so? Shut your face. Shut your face. (sighs) And take them west. Gilead. Gilead. Find my father. He'll know thee are who thee says by what thee shows. I don't know the. I hate these and these and these and these. <laughs> ah, come on. Tell him what happened. That's all. If anything happens to thee, Roland, I won't be able to do anything except die. <laughs> this is a serious moment. I promise. Serious. Roland, I do. Tell me about... Uh, what you promised. I'll come here, get your guns, blah, blah, blah. Okay, it says, His hands were still on her face. Now he used them to make her head shake slowly from side to side. You won't die, he said. There was a coldness in his voice and eyes that struck her not with fear but with awe. She thought of his blood, of how old it must be, and how cold it must sometimes flow. Not with this job undone, promise me. So you get a little hint of old, or the Roland that exists now still. Like, it's just gunslinger how, Roland. how old his blood is. Just gunslinger Roland, him even, being more serious. Even 14, instead of lovey-dovey that he always is. Even 14-year-old Roland has old blood. <laughs> um, And of course, they... The, 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 the... They do their thing. Oh, wait. 
It says, of course, they do their thing and then says, Roland, I love thee. She kissed him and then began to cry. He held her concerned. What is it, Sue? What troubles thee? I don't know, she said, crying harder. All I know is that there's a shadow on my heart. She looked at him with tears still flowing from her eyes. Thee'd not leave me, would ye, dear? Thee'd not go without Sue, would ye? No, for I've given all I have to ye, so I have, and my virginity is the very least of it, thee knows. I'd never leave you, but he felt cold in spite of the bearskin, and the wind outside, so comforting a moment ago, sounded like beast's breath. Never, I swear. I'm frightened, though. Indeed I am. Ye need, you needn't be, he said, speaking slowly and carefully, for suddenly all the wrong words wanted to come tumbling out of his mouth. We'll leave this, Susan, not day after tomorrow, on reaping, but now, this minute. Dress, and we'll go crosswise to the wind. It's south we'll ride and never look back. We'll be haunted. That's what they would be. Haunted by the faces of Elaine and Cuthbert. Haunted by the faces of all the men who might die in the Shavid Mountains. Massacred by Shaved weapons. Mountains. Huh? Shaved Mountains. <laughs> Shavid. Ah. Massacred by weapons torn from the armory crypts where they should have been left. Haunted most of all by the faces of their fathers for all the rest of their lives. Not even the South Pole would be far enough to escape those faces. All you need to do the day after tomorrow is claim indisposition at lunch. Um, of course, there's their plan. She'll sneak out again. I, I know all that, but something's wrong. She looked at him, touched the side of his face. I fear for thee and me, Roland, and I know not why. All will work out, he said. Ka, speak not to me of Ka. Oh, please don't. Ka like a wind, my father said. It takes what it will and minds the plea of no man or woman. Greedy old Ka, how I hate it. Susan, no, say no more. And then, of course, they get it on again. And then it says, Never had she looked more beautiful to Roland than she did then, with her hair spread out about her, that haunted look on her face. He would think later she knew. Some part of her knew. And then, of course, they mm. got it on again. Mm. says, and for she the knew. last time, Roland did. <sighs> so she knew, and of course, we get the for the last time. So it's, 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 A little more foreshadowing. That's what he does. That's what he does. And now we're to Cordelia again. Lovely little Cord, your favorite woman on Earth. Yeah, yeah, and this is this is very very simple. <laughs> this is just Cordelia being Cordelia, stripping her stuffy guy because well we don't want him wearing these clothes anymore. Instead, I'd much prefer if the stuffy guy wore Susan's clothing because how I hate her. Which or is, not even Susan's the the stuff that was given to yes. Susan from Mayor Thorne. Whore's clothes, as she calls yes. them. Whore's clothes. Okay, and then one of her riding riding skirts, and then she put slippers on it. <laughs> I don't know if you know how to dress, lady, but... And then went and finished things off. And let's see. When the fire was at its height, she stepped to its edge and threw the stuffy guy on. Flame thumped up around it in bright orange gust. Sparks burning, leaves twirling, skyward in a funnel. So let it be done, Cordelia cried. Let the firelight on her face turn, turn her tears to blood. Char, you tree. I just so. Char, you, tree. And she's so zoned out at this moment that it says, pretty much says if the house would have caught fire, she wouldn't even notice. Nope. She's, she, Cord has officially lost it. She oh, is, she's lost her mind. She's gone crazy. She's, she's, it's, it's done. <laughs> and now for some reason we got a random thing outside the bar. Like the, the Coral's bar. With Stanley, who I don't even remember. Who's Stanley? I don't remember someone in the bar. Someone in the bar. Kashab's the piano player, so it's not him. But apparently he hears a scream outside, and they get two... He has... They have two bats underneath the bar counter. Lucille and... Yeah, literally the rest of this chapter is not anything, really. Yeah. Other than they hear him scream, he goes out to investigate and they look up into the sky. Yeah, apparently uh, it says 
Come now, Patty, it's dust, that's all. Be reasonable, dear. Ye know how the wind's blown these last few days, and no rain to knock down what carries. It's dust, that's all. Yet it didn't look like dust. I know what I see, whispered Patty. Above them, Demon Moon grinned and winked one eye through what appeared to be a shifting scrim of blood. Just really just making things as ominous and deep and dark as possible. So yeah, we know we know all hell's about to break loose. Because, oh yeah. Because once again we have to remember remember guys that Remember, Roland, remember the fifth of November. It is not November yet. <laughs> Do not skip over Halloween like that. Okay. We have to remember guys that Roland and his group still think this is happening on Reaping Day. Yeah. And everyone else preparing preparing for today. Today much. basically. So uh, all hell is about to break loose. Are you guys ready? Things are going to happen. All right. We'll be moving to chapter seven. We'll be reading from chapter seven to chapter eight called Seven is Taking the Ball, which we know that is, all the way to the ashes. Yay! Yay! How exciting! So the next two weeks are going to be insane. Ashes, ashes, we We all all fall fall down. down. Yes. Um, So how many pages are we looking at? 70 to 93. Oh, another 23 pages. So about the same we've had the last two times. It'll be okay, guys. We'll be here with you. Yeah! We're going to battle this out together. Dark. That's beautiful. Yes, it's just great. It's, everything's going to be great. Just I promise. Freaking and fantastic. I, I promise. At least we'll be okay. <laughs> yep. On that note, though. We're no longer in the beginning of the end. We are in the end. This is the end game. <laughs> but yeah, on that note, we um, probably that not so fancy note. Yes. Um, fall, fall down. Yes. <sighs> well, if you liked it, throw a like on it. If you want to chat, leave a comment. If you like death at all, subscribe to the channel because we like that too. <laughs> Did you say? Do you like death? I didn't say anything about liking okay, death. That's what it sounded like. It's like if you like death, subscribe to the channel. Like I was like, like okay, it, oh, it, okay, not death. I was like, whoa, that got but dark really fast. If you like death, subscribe to the channel too. Not against it. Uh, as always, you can reach me at Stars Unchild, reach Manic Casey, Pop Preach the Show at Beyond Our Focus, everywhere, including YouTube and podcast services around the globe, possibly. Except the Moon or Venus yes. or Mars. And Chris told us we've not gotten that far yet, and I'm kind of sad. We'll get there one day. Yeah, I don't think so. <laughs> it just seems unlikely. <laughs> First, we have to settle on the moon, and that seems a little unlikely. Anyway. Yeah, anything else? I think we're good. See you next week. Blossom, possum, blossom. Till next time! Long days and pleasant nights. <laughs>